Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Coletta. I am back. I am back. I feel like it's been way longer than two weeks since I uh, put out an episode, and I apologize I wasn't around last week, kind of came out of nowhere, I had to take an emergency trip out of town, but thank you for tuning in, and welcome back to the Join My League Football Podcast, and I have to say, it feels good to be back. Can you believe it's week 10 already in the NFL's regular season? I'm a little upset I had to miss the midseason episode, but we're going to catch up on that a little bit later on with my take at the midseason awards. But first things first, you know, I know how you degenerates love your fantasy football and uh, league playoffs are going to be starting within the next, you know, a little over a month from now, I guess, playoffs will be starting for fantasy football. So it's time to clamp down, score some points, get some victories and make a run at your title. You know, we're knee deep now into the bye week portion of the league. And with the Ravens, Vikings, Broncos and Texans all on buys, you're going to need some bye week replacements. Week 10 buys are going to affect a lot of fantasy team starters, including Kirk Cousins, uh, Denver's running back duo, DeAndre Hopkins, and the Ravens' defense. And I'm going to start with defense because if you're like me, you don't draft defense very high. You know, if I can't get a top three defense in the draft, I'm going to stream most of the year. And I'm not going to reach either. Not doing it. I'm perfectly okay with streaming defenses every single week. And I can tell you right now, for me, it works most of the time. And it's going to work again this week if you uh, need a fill-in. The one strategy for streaming defense is to find the defense who plays the lousiest offense that week. And this week, you don't have to look much further than the New York Jets, who host the Bills on Sunday. If you need to reach further, you don't trust the Jets, you can go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know the Chiefs' defense started the season extremely shaky, and while they're still not elite or even good by any means, you could do a lot worse than starting a defense that's up against a porous Arizona Cardinals offense in the confines of Arrowhead Stadium, no less. Uh, The New England Patriots, another decent streaming option. They visit the Tennessee Titans this week, and with the exception of a 28-point outing in Monday night in Dallas, the Tennessee Titans offense They have not struck fear into any defense all year long. The last two Patriot games on the road has resulted in 14 and 17 fantasy football points. So I think it's something to think about there. Uh, Those of you with Kirk Cousins or Deshaun Watson as starter, as quarterback, you may want to consider somebody that I can't stand. Somebody who's trash, absolute trash, grade A trash, Blake Bortles. I know, it's Blake Bortles. You don't know what you're going to get, but, you know, he did put up a decent effort in London against the Eagles his last time out, and he has a chance to quiet doubters for the 600th time, at least for now, as the Jaguars go up against a Colts defense who allow over 17 points to opposing quarterbacks per game. Again, these are one-week streamers, so, you know, if you have to pick up Bortles, you know, it's fine. Use them for a week, be done with them. These are just one-week streaming options, but... Do not hold me responsible if you take Bortles and he busts out. Uh, Andy Dalton, another choice of mine for a streaming option this week. A hesitant choice, but a choice nonetheless. I think the loss of A.J. Green does put a dent in Dalton's value, but playing a New Orleans defense who have allowed quarterbacks to generate about 23 fantasy points per game over their last three games 
I think that puts Dalton in streaming territory. And Alex Smith, Alex Smith is a is a no-brainer for those of you looking for a bi-week fill-in. Uh, Alex Smith put up 300 yards, yards against the Falcons last week, and he might not have much trouble doing that again this week as he faces the league's worst pass defense in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers allow almost 30 points a game to opposing quarterbacks. If you need a tight end this week, you can stream Bengals tight end C.J. Uzuma. Two reasons for that. Number one, again, it's the Saints. Number two, again, no A.J. Green. Should open up the rest of the offense to see some targets, and Uzuma may take advantage. And now it's time for the J.F. Stacks Waiver Wire Pickup of the Week, presented to you by yours truly, with an assist from the man, the myth, the legend, John Foyles, a.k.a. J.F. Stacks, a.k.a. Stacks, or simply Foyles. I'm going to make up for last week by giving you uh, an extra ad this week. The first pickup of the week is strictly for those of you in keeper leagues. We head to Washington. Darius Geis. Guy recently tore his ACL and he's out for the year. So if you have an IR spot on your team and it's empty, you might want to pick him up as uh, John Foyles expects Geis to go within the first five rounds of next year's drafts. You look who they have on the run- uh, roster right now at running back. Adrian Peterson, 33 years old. How long is he going to be around? Geis is going to be the starter at some point for the Washington Redskins in the future at the running back position. So if you're in a keeper league, uh, don't be afraid to pick him up and sit him for a while. He might pay off next year. As for your immediate JF Stacks waiver wire pickup of the week, Adam Humphreys, wide receiver from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. According to ESPN, only Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins have more fantasy football points at the wide receiver position than Humphreys. It remains to be seen if he's going to keep it going, but he's going to have some opportunity over the next few weeks. He's going to play host to Washington in Week 10, followed by favorable matchups against the Giants, 49ers, and Saints over the next month. Now, halfway through the season, we, uh, we have an idea of who the good teams are and who the bad teams are, for the most part. But there's still a few teams who we're not sure of. You know, teams that you expect to be playing better, and teams who are doing way better than you expected. And I'm gonna set the record straight right now. The Falcons, the Eagles, and the Ravens, they're gonna be fine, maybe. I mean, they're a lot better than their records indicate. You know, the Falcons and the Eagles head into week 10 at four and four, and the uh, Baltimore Ravens go into their bye week in week 10 at four and five. I don't think any of those teams are that average or that bad, kind of depending on how you look at it. But I'm positive, each of these teams will write their ship enough to at least contend for a playoff spot. I'm going to start in Atlanta. I think their playoff hopes is going to rest on the fact that if they can remain as healthy as they are and play some decent defense, they can contend. When you have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, your defense doesn't need to play lights out. You just got to make some stops once in a while and let the offense do the rest. The Falcons are riding a three-game win streak, and with games against the Browns and Cowboys coming up, there's really no reason that they shouldn't be 6-4 and four by the time they travel to New Orleans on the 22nd of November. That's a different story. I think it's going to take an epic meltdown that I don't see happening, but it's going to take an epic meltdown by the Saints to not win the NFC South. So the Falcons... They can still get in the playoffs without winning the division. They have to secure a wild, spot, wild card spot. But they have to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. 
which means they should beat the Browns and they need to beat the Browns. Same thing with the Cardinals, the Car- uh, Cowboys, Buccaneers. And dare I say, they should beat Atlanta, or I'm sorry, they should beat Green Bay. Because I think all of those, Browns, Cardinals, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Green Bay, those are all very winnable games for the Atlanta Falcons. And they're going to have to do a little more than that to grab a wild card spot. But this team is very talented. And while I'm not necessarily predicting the Falcons to make the playoffs, I'm saying they have a schedule favorable enough to get them to nine, maybe ten wins. And if they can uh, beat Baltimore later this season, who they also play, they can definitely get into the playoffs. Now, speaking of Baltimore, four and five, and the record doesn't add up to the team the Ravens actually are. Since their 21-0 victory over the Tennessee Titans last month, the Ravens are currently riding a three-game losing streak. But those were against some pretty solid competition. You know, division rival Pittsburgh, Carolina, the New Orleans Saints, who, if not for a missed extra point at the end of regulation, who knows what would have happened in that game. The Ravens are a very good football team, and they have a chance to redeem themselves over the next two weeks against Cincinnati and Oakland. A 6-5 and five record in a couple of weeks not going to be so bad. It's not going to be the end of the world. But then, it's the all-important game against the Atlanta Falcons, which, even though it's interconference, I will tell you right now that the loser of that game is not making the playoffs. Mark my words. You know, then the, the Ravens, they got the Chiefs. That's likely a loss. Buccaneers, Chargers, Browns. Take that what you will. I see the Ravens finishing with 10 wins at best, but even a nine-win uh, nine win season, it might just get them into the sixth seed, depending. Again, they're a talented football team, and they can't be counted out just yet. And neither can the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. The defending Super Bowl champs, as we all know, haven't played the part this year. But at 4-4 four and four and coming off a bye, I think it's time the Eagles get rolling. And it starts with a victory over the Dallas Cowboys this, uh, this Sunday night. Uh, next week, they play the Saints. It's going to be a tough game for Philly, but after that... You know, outside of games against the Rams and Texans, it's all divisional games. This division is close enough in record right now that I think 10 wins should be able to secure a division title. And I think it's the Eagles who are going to come out with 10 wins. Now, on the flip side of things, teams who are better than the record suggest are teams who aren't nearly as good as their current record would indicate. The Washington Redskins, five and three Washington Redskins. They could be on a downward spiral, and I'm pretty surprised that their record is as good as it is, considering their offense is leaning on a 33-year-old running back in Adrian Peterson, more on him later, an aging veteran, an aging average veteran at that, quarterback Alex Smith. No outside weapons, but they do have a defense. This defense for Washington has stepped it up this season, and they currently rank 7th overall and ninth in points allowed. When you have a good defense, you can never be counted out. But I have a hard time believing this team is better than Philadelphia, and that's why I have Philly winning the division, and unfortunately, the Washington Redskins are going to be on the outside looking in. Another team on the uh, that's going to be on the outside looking in, the Cincinnati Bengals. I've called it for weeks. I said they were going to have a meltdown eventually, it's starting. You know, they started, well, they start four and one. Now they're five and three. This team isn't going to stay competitive for too much longer, in my opinion. They've already given up the division lead to uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I don't see the Steelers relinquishing that lead anytime soon. The Bengals currently have five wins. They must play tough games against New Orleans, 
Baltimore, Pittsburgh again, and the LA Chargers. I don't really see how the Bengals win any of those games, but if they can sneak out a win in any one of those games, I guess they can get to 10, 10 wins, assuming they take care of teams they're supposed to take care of. You know, they still have favorable matchups against the Browns twice, the Broncos, and the Raiders. But the problem is, is I don't trust Andy Dalton, and I don't trust Marvin Lewis to come in clutch. And the loss of A.J. Green could not come at a worse time. I think an 8-8 eight and eight season is on the horizon for the Cincinnati Bengals squad, and uh, that could spell the end of Marvin Lewis in Ohio. But don't we say that every year? Yeah, we do. We say that every single year. And for some reason, Marvin Lewis, he must have some dirt on that front office because he should have been fired 10 years ago. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Last but not least, this one's pretty self-explanatory, but the Dolphins are somehow 5-4, and four, and I'm shocked. And I know you are too. But what can we make of the Miami Dolphins? Head coach Adam Gase said the team is targeting November 25th, the game against the Colts, for Ryan Tannehill's return. Nothing is set in stone yet, but honestly, is Tannehill going to keep this team a playoff contender? Is he going to make them better? Or is he going to get hurt again? I guess one bright spot is the Dolphins still have to play the Bills twice, and that's almost as automatic of a victory as you're going to find this season. So chuck up two wins there. But trips to uh, Green Bay and Minnesota, plus a visit from the New England Patriots, I think it's almost safe to assume that's three losses right there. I don't have the Dolphins making the playoffs right now, but I really think that if the Dolphins can finish 9-7 and seven or even 8-8, eight and eight, that's a huge win for a team who entered the season with little expectation. Now to switch topics a little bit, uh, Monday Night Football the other day, the Cowboys hosted the uh, Tennessee Titans in a game that I watched a little more than the first half of. I wanted to catch the second half, but after an early morning flight and a long day, I was done. I had to go to bed. But I was impressed from what I saw with Amari Cooper's Cowboy debut. He ended with five catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. Even Dak Prescott, trash Scott, he didn't look too shabby either. He went 21-31 for 243 yards and two touchdowns with an interception. But the Cowboys dropped to 3-5 and five on the year with a 28-14 defeat, and the Titans did what they had to do, containing Ezekiel Elliott to 3.5 yards per carry. But here's the problem. Zeke only had 6 carries in the second half. Why? It was 14-14 entering the third quarter. You weren't being blown out. You weren't playing catch-up. You put the ball in Dak's hands. Unless Ezekiel Elliott suffered some sort of injury, which nothing has been reported thus far, six rushes in the second half for one of the top three uh, best running backs in the league is unacceptable. Unacceptable. And that's not on Ezekiel Elliott. It's on the play calling. It's on Scott Linehan, the play caller. So he is the recipient of the Jimmy Conway Award this week. But head coach Jason Garrett still back in Linehan. Still backing him, saying that Scott Linehan is still going to remain the play caller. So I'm not letting Jason Garrett off the hook. Not, not at all. And he shouldn't be left off the hook because he should be a coordinator somewhere. That guy's not head coaching material. Anyway, the coal holders for this week's Jimmy Conway Award, it goes to these two dummies. What are you, stupid? What's the matter with you? I 
What's the matter with you? You know, is it a coincidence that you give Zeke only six second half carries and are held scoreless? I think not. These two are these two are gone after this season. If if not before then. Jerry Jones, with his BS, I don't believe anything he says. He says that uh, he's not going to fire Jason Garrett midseason. I don't believe that. Neither should you. The most valuable franchise in all of sports has only one playoff win the last seven years and only two playoff wins in the last 22 years. Time for a change. Time for another change. And as we already know, we are halfway through the season, so I'm going to give my take on midseason awards Starting with MVP, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. I think that's a no-brainer. He's thrown for 2,900 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. He's on pace to break Peyton Manning's single-season touchdown record and season uh, single-season passing yard record. So Patrick Mahomes is your MVP. Now, Offensive Player of the Year, I think if Mahomes gets MVP, it's only fair to give this award, the Offensive Player of the Year award, to Todd Gurley. Uh, at 868 yards, Gurley is averaging just under 5 yards per carry. He's got 12 touchdowns already on the ground and 4 more through the air. That's 16 touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure he's on pace to break Ladanian Tomlinson's record for most touchdowns in a season by a non-quarterback. On top of that, he has, only th- uh, he has 37 catches out of the backfield. The only man in the league who is close to challenging Patrick Mahomes for MVP is Todd Gurley. But they only give MVPs to quarterbacks, so that's what I'm doing. I'm giving that uh, MVP to Patrick Mahomes, and Todd Gurley is your offensive player of the year up until this point in the season. Now, for defensive player of the year, I struggled with this one. J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald. All three of those guys extremely worthy. But I'm going to go with Vikings defensive end Daniil Hunter for one reason. Because this guy deserves some name recognition. And by God, if I'm going to be the only one to recognize this kid, then so be it. Daniil Hunter leads the league in sacks with 11 and a half. And has a, uh, he's got a forced, uh, I'm sorry, a fumble return for a touchdown. In his fourth season, Daniil Hunter has 37 sacks for his career, a safety, and two defensive touchdowns. He just turned 24 years old last week and he was a situational lineman the first two years of his career. Again, he turned 24 last week, and this is his fourth year. He's already got 37 and a half sacks. This kid is unbelievable, and I don't think he's getting the, uh, the attention he deserves. Maybe somebody else may have uh, slightly better defensive statistics, and it may not be fair that he gets my award for Defensive Player of the Year so far, but I don't really care. Daniil Hunter is your midseason defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Giants uh, running back Saquon Barkley. Not much debate on that one. No reason to talk about it. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Colts linebacker Darius Leonard. Leads the league with 88 tackles to go along with four sacks, three forced fumbles, and two additional fumble recoveries. Coach of the Year. Sean McVay. Rams. I think what Sean McVay has been able to do since taking over for Jeff Fisher is just remarkable. But I can't tell just yet if Sean McVay is a really, really good football coach or if Jeff Fisher was really, really bad. Maybe a little bit of both. And finally, comeback player of the year. This one to me is also a no-brainer. I've seen a lot of people wanting to give this award to J.J. Watt, but I don't really understand that because at least up until this point, 
it should it should go to Adrian Peterson. And I don't think it's a question. Peterson has more rushing yards, more receiving yards, and more total touchdowns this season than he had each of the last two seasons combined. And he's 33 years old. He's got over 2,700 rushes in his career. A lot of tread on those tires. If what he's doing right now isn't considered the best comeback of the year, then they should abolish this award. Now, before we wrap up today, we've got some picks to make. Now, the uh, the Cowboys, we already talked about them. Dropped my 4-0 week to 4-1. It's got my blood boiling. I've yet to nail a 5-0 week this season. But my record on the year is improving, seeing that this is my fourth consecutive 4-1 week. I'm up to 22-18 on the year. And 83-51-2 total on the year. Every pick that I've made, every single game I've predicted so far, I'm 83-51-2. I don't think that's so bad. You know, better than some of the records they got at ESPN.com, NFL.com. I'm just as good as them, okay? But I have to start in Indianapolis. It's going to have to start because the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to Lucas Oil Stadium Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern to play the Colts. The Colts are coming off a bye. Both teams are 3-5. and five. And I think it's safe to say that the loser of this game is out of the playoff race. This is a must-win game for both. The Colts are the hotter team, winning two straight before their bye. And the Jaguars' season has gone more south four weeks in a row. Jacksonville's allowed 114 points over the last four games. And Andrew Luck is on fire, throwing for seven touchdowns in his last two. Leonard Fournette is on pace to play. Uh, this week, but that doesn't really tell me much. You know, the last time Leonard Fournette took the field was week four. He entered that game hurt, and he left that game hurt as well. For the Jaguars staff to feel confident enough to play him coming off a bye, to me, that suggests he's healthy, but we don't really know until he takes the field, and we really won't know until he produces the way we're accustomed to seeing him produce. He's been injury-prone his entire career, so it'll be interesting to see what Leonard Fournette can do to help the Jaguars get back on track and save their season. The Indianapolis Colts are currently giving the Jaguars 3.5 points as of right now, but I think the Colts could win by more than that. These two teams are trending in different directions, and I personally think it's going to take a lot more than just a bye week to fix the problems in Jacksonville. Final score, Colts 27, Jaguars 21. A few hundred miles northeast of Indianapolis, and at the same 1 p.m. Eastern start time, Atlanta Falcons making the trip north to Cleveland to take on the Browns. On paper, the Falcons are by far superior, right? But we know they have trouble on the road, and we know that the Falcons have trouble outdoors. It didn't matter much last week. I understand that. The Falcons laid a beatdown on the Redskins in Washington. But can they do it twice in a row? Can they play outdoors on the road? in potentially crummy weather conditions to beat a team two games in a row? Well, they're going to have to if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. The Falcons are 4-4, and and again, the New Orleans Saints are running away with the division. Atlanta's best path to the playoffs is to get ahead of the 6-2 Carolina Panthers. As we talked about earlier, the Falcons need to get victories against inferior teams such as the Browns. They dropped this one, and not only do I look like a real Momo for predicting them to be the number one seed in the conference this year, but they can also kiss their playoff chances goodbye. And as improved as the Browns' defense has been this year, uh, led by Miles Garrett, I believe the Atlanta Falcons' offensive line can create just enough time for Matt Ryan to slice and dice his way to 31 points. 
On the other side of the uh, football, the depleted Falcons defense, shredded by opposing quarterbacks this year, with the exception of last week. But rookie Baker Mayfield is going to have the opportunity to shred them as well. Now, maybe the Falcons defense doesn't play as good this week as they did last week, but I still think they can keep Baker and company in check. They're going to extend their winning streak to four games, I really hope, and they're going to improve their record on the year to five and four. Final score, Falcons 31, Browns 21. Another early game for you, arguably the best team in the league and certainly the hottest, the New Orleans Saints traveled to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Saints recently signed Des Bryant to give Drew Brees yet another weapon in the passing game. I don't really think you can expect Des Bryant to go off for 10 catches, 150 yards right out the gate. And maybe that isn't the expectation for him. All I know is he does make the Saints even scarier. And the Bengals should be scared. New Orleans is the last team anybody wants to be playing right now. And that's especially true for a Bengals defense who rank 30th against the pass, and 25th against the run. And as we already discussed, Cincinnati's going to be without A.J. Green for some time, and that just doesn't bode well for a team that started 4-1 and one and now sit at 5-3. and three. Make that 5-4 and four after this week. Final score, Saints 34-17, covering the spread in the process. Sunday night, the Eagles are back in action after their bye week to take on those stupid Cowboys who cost me a chance at a perfect week in Week 9. I hate the NFL's obsession with the NFC East and Sunday night games. What interest is there in this game by anybody? Anybody outside of Dallas and Philadelphia, at least. Really none, right? Despite their record, Philly's a very good football team, and they're going to host a complete mess of a Dallas Cowboys football team in primetime on Sunday night football, usually reserved for one of the best games of the week, at least we have the Bears-Vikings next Sunday night, which was flexed, by the way. And I think we all need to get together, uh, start a petition, and have the NFL start flexing games weekly to make these primetime matchups more interesting. Anyways, I don't really feel like talking about this news fest, so I'm going to take the Eagles to win and cover the seven-point spread, 27-16. And uh, I really don't feel like breaking down the train wreck of a game we're going to see on Monday Night Football this week. Uh, the New York football midgets traveling to San Francisco to take on the lowly 49ers. There's been few bright spots for the 49ers this year, with the exception of last week's performance by the debuting Nick Mullins. You know, Mullins threw for 262 yards and three touchdowns against the Raiders last week. I just think the Giants, they have more talent than San Francisco at the skill positions, and I think that's going to make the difference. So give me the Giants with the three and a half points they're getting to win outright 20-17, to 17, and can we please fast forward to next Monday night's Chiefs-Rams battle. Time to put a bow on episode number 12 because that ladies and gents is a wrap remember to like follow and share on the big social media three facebook twitter and instagram and don't forget to subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts be the first one to know when a new episode drops every single friday unless i say otherwise so happy birthday to me remember to enjoy the games to kill your fantasy league and have a fantastic weekend